You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you. We're going to talk a little bit about wide receivers, rest of career wide receivers. How do some young studs on the 49ers like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel rank against some other players in the league, some veterans, some other young players that were drafted that are going into year two, year three in the NFL. How do we see these guys going, not just in 2021, but rest of career? Matt Williamson and I on the Peacock Williamson podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network did a couple of shows ranking these guys and drafting wide receivers rest of career. Crocker listened to that, and he's got some thoughts on how we ranked those players. You can also hear Williamson on the Locked On Dynasty podcast, and we also have the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast, getting you ready for all those fantasy football drafts. Winning your league starts with the right data, and Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News provides you the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Locked On Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round, so your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy and all these shows on all your favorite apps that are coming at you from the Locked On Podcast Network. Like this one at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Croc. Croc, man, how you doing? You, you you get excited with seeing this technique from the big pass catchers, the tight end university going down in Nashville that uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and oh man, we, we saw a bunch of dudes down there, 40 or 50 of these guys working out all together and just being bros and like I, I find it odd. I don't know if it was always like this. I don't know if it was like this with you in your days, because that was not that long ago, are these guys always that friendly and trying to help each other out so much? Or is there a lot, was there a lot more competition back in the day? Yeah, I think you'll have your, you know, few guys that are just like, hell no, I'm just doing everything by myself and, and all that type of stuff. But for the most part, guys, especially when you're at a certain tier, you are cool with the other guys at that tier, especially in football, because you don't go against each other. Right now, you might not see Mm -hmm. George Kittle working out with Daniel Hunter or, you know, something like that. You know, guys that have to like go against each other on the actual field. But guys that play the same position, I know a lot of my buddies now, maybe it's because we're all from the same town, but we would all get together and do one on ones and work out together, whether it was guys in college, NFL, Arena League, whatever it was. Everybody would get together and work on things to get better and improve. So, a lot of times there isn't that like hatred unless you maybe just hate a team. And even then, wasn't it DeForest Buckner, Armstead, and and uh, ah, the guy from the Seahawks, right? The the defensive lineman Bennett, Michael Bennett. No, no, number seventy two. Which one was he? Uh, Puna Ford. Um, no, no, no. A couple uh, years, like a few years ago, in their prime, like the whole lob and everything. Number seventy two. Were the really tiny shoulder pads way up here? Uh, I know who. You're, oh gosh, dang it! I don't know why. Oh, I was let's see. Brandon Shell, number seventy-two. Brandon Shell. No. So I'm talking about before that. Oh, that's that he's Bennett. It's got to be Bennett because there's Martellus Bennett. What's Martellus Bennett's brother? Oh no, yeah, Michael Bennett. Yeah, seventy-two. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. He wore seventy-two. Yeah, and he had this. He had the tiny. He had the tiny shoulder pads too. You're right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> you know, weren't they all working out together in like. Uh, in Hawaii or something like that. Just something. He had some type of defense alliance summit, I believe, that Armstead and Buckner would go to. I don't remember that, but I'll take your yeah. word for it. So, so I think even if you're on rival teams, I think, you know, just when you're in the offseason, you're trying to get work. And I'm jealous of that. Like, just because 
Like the only people I can get work with is like my son and his friends at the city park now. You know, I can't. <laughs> nobody's nobody's calling me to link up and, and get together and <laughs> work out well, together. As know? long as your sons aren't running circles around you yet, you're still not not, not yet, okay. not yet, not that old. And I probably will never let that happen. And when when they do get to the point to where they could possibly run circles around me, I just won't. I won't do anything with them. Like I won't play against them. So, like, my last memory will be of me beating them. And their memories, too, for the rest of their lives. The, the, right. Those will be uh, the lasting memories of you never beat dad. You never beat Crocky Sr. Um, how, your son has just graduated high school, right? Your oldest? No. So, um, I have two boys. One, one is my stepson. One's my son. But they're both 13 years old. Okay. So... Yeah, they're both 13. They both just graduated from the eighth grade. Over eighth grade. Okay, I saw a graduation. He looked tall. So I was like, I was thinking yeah. maybe he graduated high school. So that's Juice. Juice is, he's getting up there. He is, he, that's, that's my boy. He's five, almost five nine, which in the eighth grade, when I was his age, I was like five three. So I'm like, dude, where are you getting this height from? Because I was much smaller than you. And he's filled out a little bit more than me. Not a football guy, not a basketball guy, but he's big into track. So he's been running the 400 and stuff like that, really training for it. He, he's been going full force into that. He's doing really good in that. So it's, it's been it's been really cool to see his work, his mom and his, his stepfather. They put in a lot of work to get him to that point with what they're doing, a lot of effort into that. He's doing awesome in it. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Good on young Croc. He putting in the work like his dad. Uh, it's, uh, one of my favorite things about you, Croc, and we were talking about Aaron Banks, and and I, you were just, you were crunching the film, and uh, you were sending me clips, and and I just love how you attack this football thing and how passionate you are about it. That's why, why I love talking ball with you every single day. Um, and maybe it's when players retire, they start to get a little older and maybe a little saltier, because I think that's when most of those things start to happen when guys talk smack. There's like the was it Sherman and Revis just recently, right? Were they going at each other? Yeah. You know, there's certain things that can make guys just not like each other. And it could just be one thing that's said or if something is spun the wrong way. Because it wasn't just Revis and Sherman. And maybe because this is all kind of centered around Revis. Revis and Camardi, too. Camardi made a comment on one of these talk shows. And Revis took that a certain way. and And, I mean, the back and forth surrounding Revis with these other guys. I don't know if he's just really prideful and doesn't want to give anyone else their, their props, but he's he's the angry old man right now. Yeah, he's trying to tell everybody that they're not as good as him. And I, I, I there's <laughs> there's something recently. I didn't even see what it was, but everyone's making a huge deal about Scottie Pippen. He's did he say like Jordan wouldn't have won without him or something like that? Is that what it was? Yeah, Scottie Pippen. He's definitely that old salty man. Him Barkley a little bit has a little bit of that in him as well. Where. People, it's hard because people ask them their opinion. So if you ask my opinion, I'm going to give you my opinion on something. And yeah. sometimes their opinion is just going to come off. That I don't. That's the one thing I hate. Like in just the media in general, whatever, people are like, well, why do he say it like this? Or why do he answer this question? It's like, dude, they asked him. So it's like, if you, you, these guys aren't just coming up with these takes out of nowhere. I think people see the headlines on Twitter, the headline to an article that this guy said whatever he said, but it's like, a lot of times, like they're asked a question, and they answer a question, and they get a lot of backlash for it. So I heard uh, Tom Brady just now on the barbershop, and he was talking about how he thinks about something for like five minutes before he actually says something. And he said ninety percent of the time, 
the thing that comes out of his mouth is the opposite of what he actually wants to say. And he kind of envies guys that actually like speak their mind because he wants to, but he's a little afraid of the backlash and he'd rather go the political route with everything. Yeah, that's smart. And I see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, because you can take something out of context and you, you don't get the full quote from somebody. And it's only a couple of words here and there, or it's just the spiciest part of, of one big conversation, you know, and when you hear the whole conversation, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. That was dumb. And there's certain accounts on Twitter and certain uh, publications that like to really stir the pot when it comes to those types of things. But even me, when I'm tweeting, I see some people that tweet constantly all day long, every single thought that's in their head. And I've probably deleted more tweets than I've sent. I do that all the time. Yeah. It's sort of like Tom Brady, where I, I think I, I'm like, this is a good joke, I think, but maybe they won't get it. And it's like, oh, it's not worth it. And I just, I delete it or something. I, I do that all the time. Listen, I've, I've actually been on the other end and actually tweeted it out. And just my thoughts, right? Like I'll be watching something and in my head, it makes complete sense. But if you just tweet out like a part of what you're thinking and not the full thought, Mm-hmm. people will attack you and nitpick. Now, th- this happens to me even with a play. I-, I can I can show a play and I could say one thing that I really like from the play. Man, I really like how this guy did this, this, and this. And then I will get a bunch of comments about, well, what about this and this? Or what if the receiver did? And it's like, dude, I'm not worried about that, 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 what you're talking about. Like, I like this part of the play and I want to talk about this part. <laughs> but there's been other times where... um we watched the guy Taylor Heineke the, for the Washington, Washington football team in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it made complete sense what I was trying to say. But I tweeted out, I would rather have Taylor Heineke than Jimmy Garoppolo. And my re- and my reasoning for that, but I, I messed up because I didn't back it up with the reasoning. Yeah. And even if I gave my reason, people are probably still going to hate it because it sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. But – my reasoning was one, Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. So it's like, I'm paying this dude $27 million a year. He can't stay healthy two out of three years since he's been paid. He's missed a majority of the season. Actually, only finished three games last year, only finished two games in 2018. So I'm like, okay, I can't consistently count on him to, to play. And even when he does play, we kind of like are restricted to running a very specific offense that specifically works for him. And not to diminish what he brings to the team, but it's like, dude, most of the time, a third of the time, or two thirds of the time, he ain't there. So I'm like, I'd rather have a guy like Taylor Heineke, whatever his name is, who I see has a solid skill set and something that you could potentially win with. And on his low contract, I can surround him with a bunch of really good players because of the money I saved from getting rid of Garoppolo, as opposed to paying Garoppolo $27 million, maybe not being able to sign other guys to you know different spots. And he could be out by week three and we're just stuck again. So that was kind of my whole thought process, but I didn't tweet all that out and I got killed for it. So I understand where Brady's coming from and you kudos to you for deleting those thoughts. My Twitter account's less fun though. Maybe that's why it took me so long to become verified too. I should have tweeted out more of those uh, fun yeah. jokes or weird stuff that comes through my head that I think about. And then I, you know, I'm bad at, uh, at like, I wish there was an edit button cause I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw like a, a typo in there or something and like, oh God, now I want to delete, delete that. Do I just let it go? It's like, I don't know. I probably think about my tweets too much. I probably should just tweet it all out and see what happens. Maybe I should go one week where I just tweet everything and just yeah. see. Just, 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 and you have to like title it something like, and, and hashtag it every time you tweet something like, yeah. you know, Peacock unleashed or something and just <laughs> hashtag that for a whole week and just all your random thoughts tweet it out there oh. regardless of the backlash. And I mean, 
Greg Hunt does an amazing job doing that. And I mean, his his following has grown. He has like a Grant Cohen army and he just, I think that's what he does. He just tweets out literally everything that comes to mind as it looks like. <laughs> well, Grant's on, an, Grant's on another level too. Cause he's, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to get a little bit of a reaction with some of the stuff he's tweeting. Yeah, out but he's too. working. And he'll, I mean, and not only, I think he does such a great job at doing it that way that the people that, that don't like him, they're still going to tune in and click on, the things that he's saying, they hear what he's saying, yeah. even if they want to disagree with it. So he's winning both ways. He now has a little army or, uh, like of, of people, huge following, especially on like uh, YouTube, blown up. And he has all the people that are tuning in because they don't like him. And yeah, people hate way, watching him on, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's not a bad business plan at all. There, There's definitely... So I'm gonna try that. Peacock Unleashed coming coming at you on Twitter. Maybe uh, maybe in the month of maybe for a whole month, the month of July before training camp starts. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, uh, more <laughs> crocked on 49ers coming up. Let's talk wide receivers. Who do we like from now until the end of their careers in the NFL? And where should I you can Debo rank on that list next? I'd like to take a moment here to tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action and then when i say all your sports everything major league baseball nba nhl playoffs super fun even more fun when you've got a little bit of extra action on those games ufc mma celebrity boxing golf everything you could imagine betting on they've got available they've got lines on it at bet online you've got some futures bets when it comes to nfl teams over under win totals on your favorite team rookie of the year MVP and Super Bowl champion. So uh, before you do anything else, head over to Bet Online. Your laptop, mobile device, your desktop computer. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Croc. I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to let you rip me. Debo Samuel did not make the list of the top 30 wide receivers in the NFL for the rest of their careers. From now going forward, uh, half of those picks were from Matt. Half of them were mine. We went back and forth and just kind of did a little draft, and it came out as a sort of a top 30 ranking of how we like these receivers going forward from now through the rest of their careers. And uh, so just to give you a little context here on how a list like that works and what it looks like, A.J. Brown was number one on the list. Matt's first pick, he had the evens, or he had the odds, I had the evens, I went second. And Julio Jones, who's a superstar player, but 32 years old, was number 30 on that list. So uh, some of these picks were really difficult too, and there were tiers that was hard to break and hard to figure out who we thought should be ranked next on the list. And uh, Brandon Ayuk ranked 14th. Debo was not in the top 30. What do you think about that, Croc? I I understand it. I I, I know, especially with your like top five, because when you initially told me, and then once you said how this whole thing was going to work, I fired off three names that I thought would be in your top five. I said, or top four. And I said, uh, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. And you're like, yep, all three of those guys are in there. So I understood the logic behind it. I think when it comes to Debo Samuel, people have to just, you have to see it. Right. Like it's like we know the talent is there. We know the ability is there. We're still kind of a little bit unsure of how the 49ers are going to use him. Is he going to be more of what he was last year, which he had more yards after catch than actually like yards? Or 
is he going to be more of a little bit more of what he was in 2019, where they utilized him a little bit more to that inter- intermediate kind of range, crossers, overs, a lot of slant, you know, catch and run opportunities? Are they going to utilize him a little bit more as a pure receiver? I feel like he can win both ways. We're just not sure. We don't know exactly who he is. I think ideally, if you look at him, he's probably more of a DJ Moore who I was a little, I don't want to say surprised to see you have him. He was at like 15, I think, for you guys in that range, right? Uh, he was, yeah, he was right after Brandon Ayuk. And uh, you might even have thought Ayuk was at least one spot too high, right? Because DJ Moore maybe should have gone ahead of him. And I, I went back and I looked at DJ, and I liked DJ Moore a lot coming out of school. And for some reason, I thought maybe he had not been utilized as much as he should in Carolina, Carolina's offense. Maybe that is the case. But man, I didn't realize that how strong his and I have him on some fantasy football teams. I like TJ Moore a lot. I was surprised he had almost twelve hundred yards, two straight years of receiving, and he gives you all that after the catch. And <laughs> like, dude's legit already at twenty three years old, putting up back to back nearly twelve hundred yard seasons. Yeah, he's been extremely productive, and he wins in all levels of the field. He wins vertically. He wins behind the line of scrimmage on jet action, you know, jet sweep type stuff. He was actually one of my comps for Debo Samuel when he was coming out. So I think ideally when you look at Debo Samuel, you believe that he can be that type of receiver that can win all over the field. But like, you know, DJ Moore, we've seen him be productive. And that was one thing that I take note of having Ayuk over him, which I get it when you're thinking long-term probably of what Ayuk can be, but it's like, man, we know what DJ Moore is right now and extremely productive, but terrific physical receiver who can win at all levels. So I I would have him, I, I can't remember the, the everybody in your top 15, but I know once I heard DJ Moore, my ears perked up and I'm like, uh, I think he needs to be somebody that's a little bit higher. Probably DJ Moore deserves to go higher than Jamar Chase, too, who was 13 and hasn't played it down yet in the NFL, as talented as he is. Uh, then you get into the Bucks receivers. Evans and Godwin are up there at 11 and 12. Mike Thomas, Terry McLaurin. I could see the argument for, D- I could see the argument for DJ Moore being up there in, DJ, in the top 10. Yeah, well, like Maybe after CeeDee Lamb at 6. And even then, CeeDee Lamb's still got a ways to go to get to where DJ Moore already is. Right. And DJ Moore, like, look who, who is his quarterback's been. Who, Kyle That's Allen? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy, Teddy B. I mean, yeah. nothing nothing too too great, right? When you look at it from that standpoint of how productive he has been with kind of a crappy situation at, at quarterback. It, it hasn't been great. He's had to do a lot in that offense. Obviously, I think it helped to have guys like Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson playing alongside of him, but not not ideal quarterback situation. So I, I really like him. I, I think he's he's somebody that's probably not talked about as much as he should, especially when you talk about the young receivers, because he is still young. And that's a great comp for Debo Samuel. They're both about 5'11", 215. They're both built similarly, can give you something after the catch. And when I look at their numbers, their their rookie seasons were very similar. Moore had 55 catches for 788 yards, and Debo Samuel had 57 catches for 800 yards. So, like, really close. Um, and DJ Moore's uh, average depth of target that year as uh, as a rookie was nine yards. Debo Samuel's was had a little bit more after the catch, was seven and a half. Then Debo's year two, obviously some injuries, but 
Debo dropped all the way down to 2.2 yards average depth of target. I mean, that's Crazy. absurd what Debo did last year. We talked about some of this stuff on the green room, so it didn't make the podcast. So shout out to those of you who might be hearing some of these stats again. But I wanted to put these out there because they're they're mind-blowing the way that that Debo Samuel was used last year. He had more yards after the catch, 399, than he had yards, 391. I've never, ever seen anything like that. (laughs) 12.1 yards average after the catch for Debo Samuel last year. Like, Like, absurd gadgety usage for Debo. And my point is, DJ Moore in his years two and three, when he had 1,175 yards, 1,193 yards receiving, his average depth of target, instead of going down to 2.2 yards, went up to 11.1 and 13.2 yards. And I think Debo can, maybe not to that extent, but Debo can give the 49ers so much more down the field than he has so far. I think he can, man. I think he can. And he's a guy who I think is, I don't want to say he's become an afterthought, afterthought, but you know, everybody looks at Ayuk and is like, and, and I get it. I, I do think that Ayuk is more suited to be a pure wide receiver one, but and, and then you have George Kittle, and that kind of throws some things off. But if you, I feel like 49ers have three guys who have the potential to be thousand plus yard guys every year, right? At least have the potential or hovering around it. We'll see. We just have to have the consistency on the field, and it, that has been the one thing that has plagued all of them. Even George Kittle, who feels like he misses games every year. And Ayuk, nobody really talks about it. They talk about Debo Samuel with his injury stuff, but Ayuk missed four games last year. That's not ideal. And was not 100% for some of the other ones. Then there was quarterback issues, so there's some reasons why his usage was the way it was. But I think there's also some doghouse to it. We've already seen it with one wide receiver. Definitely not to the extent of Dante Pettis. But um, when you get into... Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, I think it's pretty obvious. And Shanahan publicly like had some comments where you could tell he was a little bit upset about Debo not being healthy, not coming into the year uh, as healthy as he could have last year. So we'll see how Debo enters the 2021 season. Um, more... Did you hear about where they're working out right now? No, where are they? Oh, yeah, Mohamed Sanu, Debo Samuel. Oh, I did see that with Sanu working out with, um, with Trey Lance somewhere Trey... in California, yeah. right? Yeah, they're in L.A. Okay. That's what I saw. That's the last thing I saw. So that's good. That's encouraging. Yeah, so Debo's with him, huh? Yeah. All right. I like that. No, that's good. That's very encouraging. Where's Jimmy Garoppolo? Where's Jimmy G? <laughs> Where's Jimmy G? Where's Brandon Ayuk? Come on. Actually, there was Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk uh, working out before OTAs, right? When was that? That was between between, mini, <laughs> between rookie camp and OTAs or whatever? Yeah. Trey Lance is doing a good job of politicking right now. Yeah. Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, hey. You know, I'm, I'm I'm your guy. I'm one of you guys. And people get drawn to that. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. I don't think that makes a difference with Kyle Shanahan. It's like, man, I just want to play whoever's going to give me the best chance to play. But pretty sure receivers, you know, their body language would kind of start to speak to who they want to play. Dude, uh, it's clear that Trey Lance puts in work and he's flying around the country right now working with whoever everywhere. That's a great sign. I love seeing that. He's, he, he's driving around that uh, – that uh that what is it nissan altima oh, what the, was he driving oh shoot what was it it was um malibu malibu yeah the malibu yeah driving that malibu from atlanta to la driving it to <laughs> malibu all right good stuff uh more uh on on some wide receivers brandon Ayuk, what we expect from him going forward and some of your questions next starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy 
a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack. You need to replace a quick meal, maybe. You can't do much better than a low-sugar, low-calorie, high-protein, high-fiber snack that tastes awesome. And to make it even tastier, I'll tell you how you can get 15% off your next box of Built Bars. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious folks out there, uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and even great for a keto diet. That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. I know you have some more takes on this list, Croc. One quick question I have for you. So Brandon Ayuk, of the of the year two guys, and I'm huge on all the year two guys. They're going to be on all my fantasy teams. I really am big on Jerry Judy still. I didn't jump off his bad wagon. And he still had a really good rookie season, too. Uh, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, obviously C.D. Lamb, and Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson had a, a stupid rookie season last year with 1,400 receiving yards. Odell Beckham-like. Where are you at on those year two guys? I know you had your rankings coming into the draft. Now we've seen them one year in the NFL as rookies, how would you rank those? Like maybe give me, give me your quick and dirty top five. And I know you didn't know I was going to ask you this, your top five year two receivers coming into the year. Ooh. Okay. Here we go. Definitely. I'm going to, and, and part of it is the situations that they are in. So I have to put CD lamb in there because it feels like a high volume passing game, but maybe that's because they were just giving up 40 points a game on defense. So they had to throw the ball so much. True. Maybe this year, but worse everybody drafts too. high on CD lamb. And then all of a sudden they hand the ball off to Ezekiel uh, uh, Elliott 40 times a game. But I'm, I'm, I like him. I like him a lot. And he was my wide receiver one in, in that. I, I really like my, my them. Okay. So he got CD lamb for sure. I like Judy. See what happens with the quarterback situation. That's the thing that's a little iffy and up and down. Mm -hmm. Can he have some consistency there? But I thought even with the drops issue last year, still was a guy close to, what, 800 yards, you know, receiving. I feel like it's something that's going to continue to go up. Maybe it goes down. Got Courtney Sutton coming back. So we'll see if he takes away some of the targets from from him. But I do like Judy. I'm still really high on him. I would definitely throw Brandon Ayuk into that situation, uh, Justin Jefferson, and probably Chase Claypool. And the interesting thing there is I re-ranked my top five. So I did my initial like top 20 from that class. And then after they were drafted, I re-ranked my top five based on landing spots. And my top five went T. Higgins at number one because I really liked him with Joe Burrow and and Joe Burrow's ability to place, you know, ball placement downfield and what that could look like. And he was almost a thousand yard receiver. So that was good. Number two, I believe was Brandon Ayuk, because I like the catch and run ability matched with Kyle Shanahan's offense. Number three was CeeDee Lamb. Number four was Justin Jefferson. And number five was Chase Claypool. So I think I'm still really high on those type five guys, but we also are going to get to another guy from the Steelers that might take away some targets from Chase Claypool. Yeah. And so pre-draft, remind me, yeah, I know you had Lamb one. Who's Lamb your- one, Judy two, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson three. Uh, Pittman. You liked Pittman a lot, right? Pittman, four. Yeah. 
which I still like. He dealt with some injuries and stuff. We'll see if he can get that together. I also think that he he could be primed for a breakout year. Now that you have Carson Wentz there, we'll see how that whole thing and and Carson Wentz can kind of come back to more of what he potentially was when they take a little bit off of his shoulders, more weapons, lean more on the run game. Take you know now you don't have to play hero ball all the time. But Michael Pittman, and then I had and this is where I kind of messed up a little bit. I had Edwards, Brian Edwards from South Carolina. I love him. Yeah, I still I'm, love him. I'm not. No, I like him a lot still too. And I still think he's got an opportunity to be something there. And I don't know what really happened with him as a rookie, but I still expect some more from Brian Edwards. But yeah, he had a really disappointing rookie season. Yeah, it was really weird. Really, I mean, just what both the rookie receivers from the Raiders. You, you had Henry Ruggs. It was like they they were struggling to kind of figure out exactly how to utilize him. Brian Edwards, when he was playing, they were struggling to figure out how to get the ball in his hands. And I mean, you had guys, they, they just weren't very productive at all. They dealt with different things. They dealt with some injuries. I, I know Ruggs did as well, uh, Edwards as well. But I mean, figure it out, dude. Those are two talented guys. Now, I wasn't as high on Ruggs as others. He wasn't in my top five, but he's still very talented. And there's a there's an area where he clearly wins. Yeah, so something's going on there, uh, probably because they got a – a really mediocre quarterback with Derek Carr there at the Raiders. That might be the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's so, uh, yeah. So Jerry Judy, you mentioned the drops there with him and there was all he had, I think he led the league in uncatchable targets too. just, you know, some efficiency stuff should really improve for him, even if he doesn't get better. And I expect him to get better. So still love Judy going to draft him on all my fantasy teams, but another guy that was plagued with drops, Deontay Johnson. What were your, yeah. your thoughts with him? Love Deontay Johnson. I actually thought, this he's going into year three now, but I thought going into year two, he was going to be the most productive second year player. And that's over DK Metcalf, Ooh. over AJ Brown. I mean, I, I he he's a he's a high volume target guy. The Steelers were just figuring out any way they can get the ball in his hands. Like they did not care. Like whether it's screens, whether they're just taking their deep shots that they do several times a game, intermediate uh passing game. I thought that uh, Juju Smith was going to be gone. Was that when I thought Juju was going to be gone? Or no, that was this. this that was this offseason, and then they resigned. Okay, but him, yeah. I, I just thought he was. I thought he was going to be their high volume target guy, and I still think there's. They have that in mind, making him their most targeted player because, and I liked how you you and uh, Williamson brought it up, but they use him like he's Antonio Brown. And I think he has that type of ability. You can, I mean, he's, he's terrific. If, if you guys haven't watched him, I know, you know, we have 49ers, uh, you know, the guys, everybody that's listening, but he's, he's a terrific football player. He's very fluid. He's explosive. He's twitchy. He makes guys miss in tight areas. He's probably the forgotten one out of all the younger receivers, but he, he got to clean up the drops. And I thought last year, I heard Williamson say that drops is a bit overrated depending on how many targets you're receiving, but his seemed, but uh, Deontay Johnson seemed to be third down all the time. He just third down drops. Now they're off the field, third down drop. Now they're off the field and they were coming in bunches. I heard him say it was over like a short span of like three games. And it seemed like each of those games, they were on TV. So it's like even more magnified, but he's a terrific player. I'm really high on him. I, I still would say out of like, all the young receivers right now, if I were drafting, he probably would be a top 10 guy for me. 
because I, I just believe in his ability that much. You like him more than Claypool? I completely missed on Claypool. I thought he was going to be a converted tight end. Like I, I didn't see that coming with him at all. No, so in my initial ranking of 20 receivers, I did not have him ranked at all because I did think that he was going to be a better tight end than receiver, more of a move tight end type guy, Evan Ingram, a guy that maybe you put in the slot. Yeah, he can line up outside and win there, but that's not going to be so much his thing. But I, but once he went to Pittsburgh, I remember I re-ranked it and I had him number five. So I saw that there was a clear area where he can excel in that offense with that quarterback. I'm anxious to see if maybe how they utilize him, if that kind of continues, because it seems like Ben Roethlisberger's arm is kind of falling off a little bit. That elbow or yeah. something's kind of dying on him, and it's not the same. It's not the same. So that's a big question mark as well. How would Ben Roethlisberger play? I thought this was a perfect opportunity to maybe possibly move off of him, and, and they didn't. Yeah, they might have waited a year too long because then they're going to be scrambling for somebody next year unless they go the veteran route. If this is Roethlisberger's last go in Pittsburgh, he's got the arm issues, and maybe he'll be better this year because last year he was dealing coming right off that surgery. But um, this is a 49ers podcast, so I do want to get to some questions real quick because I promised to, and, and we haven't really hit any yet in the last couple of days. Um, Frugal McDougal was responding to our conversation about having a team that's bad for a long time and you get one Super Bowl win or a team that consistently competes and he says as a long-term fan that one Super Bowl can hold me over for a whole ass decade but uh, as a weekly fan since those Sunday victories are so much more enjoyable uh, he said uh, as a 49ers fan not winning one since 1994 this is absurd so uh, I, I can't really tell which direction McFrugal McDougal thinks he would <laughs> he would go in this but I would argue that does the Super Bowl really hold you off for a whole decade? Uh, Listening so to sure. his tweet, I don't. I think he thinks in theory, oh, I'd just be great. I'd be happy with a Super Bowl. But it sounds like when you really kind of dig into there, he's like, no, he's not okay with not winning since 1994. He's not okay with every week having to watch a bad product. He thinks that you know winning will carry you, will have some good for a decade, but I don't think so. I don't think anybody would be cool with that. They they probably think they will, especially if it's a uh, uh, there are if they are a fan of a team that maybe doesn't win as much, right? Like uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they'll probably be good if they won a Super Bowl yeah. and then win another one for twenty years. The Detroit Lions, 10- they haven't won one for fifty years. If you're in that mindset, you're like, dude, just give me a Super Bowl. I don't care because they've already they've already had all the losing anyway, so it's no big deal. So I could see a team like that for a team like the 49ers, You've already had that Super Bowl, especially if you were old enough to have remembered it, you know, and it was locked into your memory. It's like you've had that Super Bowl. And for me, looking at the numbers and the downloads and seeing how, how excited 49ers fans are about their team and how often teams are or fans are, are downloading the podcast, when the team is winning, there's more downloads. Like you're engaged all season long. And, and I see that in the data. So the data tells me you're more excited about your team when the team is winning. When you see a, a losing season, you see some things start to tail off and less people listening to the podcast. I mean, do you want to just barely pay attention to your team for 13 years and then have a Super Bowl and then go back to not paying attention to them? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think most teams, and you see all the teams that are consistently competitive they have you know more people covering the team there's more buzz around their team they're on national tv more often i think you want to be a consistent winner i think i think uh a big thing here was we saw the philadelphia eagles they won a super bowl and a few years later they blew the whole thing up so that lets you know right there 
Like, look, we the teams want to be consistent with it. If they were okay with just sitting on that one Super Bowl victory, their first ever. If they were okay with just sitting there and they were mm-hmm. like, then they would have stayed with the people that they had in house. At least stayed with the head coach, especially if they're getting rid of Carson Wentz. Anyways, they didn't. They blew the whole thing up, fired the head coach. So I let you know there are probably a lot of pressure coming from the fans. I bet the fans were like, "Nah, like we want more. Don't just give us a taste." And we got this success, and obviously, like, okay, this whole thing is great. And then all of a sudden, now we're just bad and out the playoffs and in one of the worst divisions in football. No, we want to continuously win. And if Doug, Doug uh, Peterson was in the playoffs over the last couple of years and didn't win, he'd still have a job. Yep. Missed the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl? That Super Bowl can't save you now. No, and that wasn't that long ago, and he's gone. And we, we see that. So, um, yeah, it, it's a fascinating subject. A couple more comments on that. Kruger, my guy, says... Give me always competitive. Goal should be the Dynasty Niners, Spurs, Red Wings. Annually in the hunt means anticipation for seasons, games, then offseason. More often, bad teams, oversized anticipation of draft as a Pensea with dread for many games. Yeah, it's never good when the draft is the biggest event for your team all year. As much as I even love the draft, you still want to have some excitement maybe past September on your football schedule. Um, And Cody says... I think we've had a playoff team off and on with Kaepernick and Jimmy G, two Super Bowl appearances. It's nice, but nothing hurts worse than a losing a Super Bowl. I say it's better to win a Super Bowl once a decade than be playoff contenders the whole time. But that's the thing, Cody, is that the Niners have only had three good teams since 2003, right? <laughs> like they've only they were four. only good for the I, I two of the, the two seasons or four seasons, yeah, the two Super Bowl losses and two other NFC championships under Harbaugh. And they've been a losing team every single season otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah, that's tough. Four winning seasons in 20 years. And it's still fun. So maybe nobody loses. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. Everyone's a big winner when it comes to the NFL because there's still some diehard Lions fans out there. Yeah, football is just, I mean, it's, it's the big dog, you know, regardless. And they do a great job of building anticipation throughout the entire year with everything that they do, even a schedule release show so you know people are just tuned in because it's football you know regardless but come the middle of the season it's a lot funner when your team has some type of mathematical chance as opposed to your starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt week three and you're seeing Nick Mullins throw games away it's really tough to watch it's never good when you'd rather go outside and do yard work than watch your team on a Sunday like that's just not good ever not good at all. Yeah, give me competitive. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Croc. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow, another Winky Wednesday, right here, Locked On 49ers.